Good evening. A warm welcome to the service. Callum will lead us in our prayer in Gaelic, please. Groya Dianaki, a point Kahramas Claw. She did not allow the Nokanokadish, as in the Tina Katakar Piaki Shane, as in Tina Tola the Katakir Piaki, and it was Moshan here and as in Tin, but how God could you, how rather in Hikavam Yonses said, Sheep Shula had his suitors for how Moloch. Svemisha swam the sky, as in at the Valley of Groya, the son Kanurgin Tina Tola. Gwelukas kudge noch noch kasur. Euradain kepehikam yonses hachilek mir chorat vi mache. As nitine katechet piachin. As nikatechet fiachin at oi. Kotrichkus edemaktoi. Eus mosene yon as in tiena chroyat gat yonsi. Egonis on manes piachi. Ada heis sanyuchin, schlerguchin. Eus afisakates mointet krie. And you need peace for the Homala Falach word. A cachni folosher can do this marking. A hashing at the wall again, like an orker here on a son, the Gulland line. That was in Piak in a toy. A harnipleonic and Gulhas a Gulland line. Gul Norgin Tinatola and like an ork. Catter red Piakin, a risk and traction. A curion can traken and hang here. It was a tonyaker who smartened. I was pillig, pillig the shintiorna. I was canurgain, Mosanic Yan, but I could win. Oi pillion, keep it win. Could oi pillion, got yon si hain. Bishinitian got yon si hirna. I was our other in hick of Marahashur. A nurgain shinhani yan in the shar, a gabet yano. A haura hick of gamions is a sheep shul had his hood. I was for home warlock. I was concludus a coquanus shin. Mosan hirna shintian marahash in yen like a knock. As you go on, you son, Cachni, here on a wine is got the clue, as Mosheni here, as you go on, you son, Tiak, who you had a shorn, and the Nikan love, as in the cornic between an astach here, Nagahis, Misk and Lord. I was Mosheni here, Cachniahele visits all the machle, Sosk on the sweet grass. Behoen, Ganastach here, the talk of the fan. Brefen, Eschich an an Achtigen nachel, ele achroi mar haak, me moschene et alles fjögen doen kleed, hier, ne sens in koni, moschene hier, ne kbete koenigug, el draunschen an de pochken as kachat, je wischen lewers, fechken ma djöne hier, ne kbete oenig an jastige, gan koetige, oes moschene hier, ne gan dokkel soos, kbete tjen kbete dokkels an de teen, moschene hier, ne sens in koni, kbete maljad in an esche, Gornis and the Yaku, who you had a shorn, yet of all the honey yearn, to any an astra mosheni yearns. Trorish in his juice in his cachnies, Gumshin, the father was yoni, Gumshin, the father's yonis, Tokishian atelier, her scarf years, Amen. Amen. If you could turn with me, please, now to Genesis chapter 20. We've been going through the, the life of Abraham for the last uh, few weeks, few months, probably now, actually. And uh, we've reached chapter uh, 20. Uh, so we'll read from chapter 20 and verse 1 uh, through to chapter 21, verse 7. This is God's word. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar. And there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech, King of Gerar sent for Sarah and took her. 
But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You're as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She's a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say, he is my brother? I've done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you did this with a clear conscience. And so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all yours will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. And when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should not be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, Surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, This is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, save me. He is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah he said, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his slave girls, so that they could have children again. For the Lord had closed up every womb in Abimelech's household because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name, gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. I mentioned this morning that this uh, wee book uh, is at the front uh, vestibule there. So uh, be encouraged to take it. It's the world watch list and it gives us uh, a bit of a window into different countries where people uh, can't meet as we meet to worship uh, the Lord. And uh, number one on the the list of the most persecuted Christians is uh, North Korea. We're going to hear a bit about North Korea on Wednesday evening at the prayer meeting, so uh, be encouraged to come uh, along to that. And I'm just going to read this short section on North Korea, and uh, we're given uh, guidance on how to pray. Uh, so let's do that as we come uh, in freedom to study God's word. Let's remember those who'd, who'd love to have the chance, whether it's in person or whether it's online, they, they, they don't have the chance either in person or online uh, to come together uh, publicly to worship the Lord Jesus. But uh, uh, let's pray uh, for them. Population of North Korea, 26 million. Uh, it says here 400,000 Christians, uh, although 
these Christians would be very much underground. Uh, North Korea, it says, remains a brutally hostile place for Christians. If discovered, they are either sent to atrocious labour camps or executed, and their families will share a similar fate. Christians have no freedom, and it's almost impossible for believers to gather. The reason for such extreme persecution is that Christianity is seen as a particular threat to the dic dictatorial ideology and governance of the country's regime. Christians are viewed as enemies of both the leadership and society. Open Doors, the charity that published this little book, uh, are working. Open Doors secret workers are keeping 80,000 North Korean believers alive with vital food and aid through secret networks in China, as well as providing shelter and discipleship training for North Korean refugees at safe houses in China. And the prayers that we're asked to, to join in, uh, please pray, it says, that the Holy Spirit will pour supernatural peace and strength into believers held in labour camps. Uh, please pray that Christians who bravely gather in secret will not be discovered. And please pray that the authorities will allow the country to be helped by the wider world. So let's uh, be encouraged in the, in the week uh, to be praying uh, for North Korea and believers in North Korea. And let's pray just now as we turn back to God's word. Let's pray for uh, those in that country. Our Heavenly Father, we again thank you for the freedom that we have in this place to, to worship you. We thank you that we are able to meet this evening and lift up the name of Jesus without fear of violence or uh, legal repercussions. We recognize and uh, we so often pray uh, asking that you would touch our country. We recognize that uh, we have freedom here. We have liberty. Uh, we know that once we were the country uh, recognized as those who were the land of the book, those who, who were not ashamed to own Jesus as Lord, and we know that we are far from that today. And we pray that you would have mercy upon us, that you would draw us back to yourself. And yet we do thank you uh, for the many privileges that we do have, and we pray that they would continue we pray for our leaders, those whom you have allowed to be in positions of power, and we ask, Lord, that uh, we may be able to continue worshipping as we do now, uh, as we think about things going forward. We pray for those who, who don't have these privileges, and we pray tonight especially for North Korea. Uh, we pray, Lord, for uh, 400,000 Christians. Uh, we have a guide of a number there. You are the God who knows exactly how many Christians there are in that place. Uh, you know the situations they're in. Uh, you know the, the suffering that so many of them have to endure. You see what goes on in labor camps. You see when a Christian falls, uh, when they lose their life in, in this world. Uh, many others may not see. There may be cover-ups at a national level, but uh, there is not even a sparrow that falls without you seeing, Lord. And so we know that every one of your children in that place you, you see and you are with. And so we pray for them. Uh, we pray for those who will, who will risk everything uh, to gather together, perhaps just in small numbers in secret places today. And we ask that you would bless them, uh, that as they open your word, that they would know uh, the, the blessing of the gospel coming to them. We pray that they would know uh, the power of the Holy Spirit with them. And Lord, we pray uh, that you would, as we are directed here, uh, you would pour supernatural peace and strength into believers who are held in labor camps 
help them, we pray, uh, as they suffer and as they, as they labor uh, to do so, knowing that you are with them. We pray that they may know uh, the, the same upholding and the same uh, even paradoxical joy that Paul and Silas and others felt when they were imprisoned uh, in, in Philippi. And we ask, Lord, that as they, they suffer for Jesus' sake, that those who, who ill-treat them and those who keep them captive would see Christ in them. And so we pray for these brothers and sisters that, that we do not see but that you see. And we ask, Lord, that you would help them and that you would uh, hold them up. We pray uh, that those who do gather in small numbers in secret places, that they wouldn't be discovered, but that you would make them invisible and that they would continue to be able to, to meet together, that their numbers would grow, that the gospel message would, uh, would grow more and more in that country. And uh, we ask, Lord, that uh, the authorities would allow help to come in from the wider world. And we, we pray for more than that even. We pray that these authorities that seem so determined uh, to, to wipe out the gospel and to, to silence the name of Jesus, we pray that these authorities would uh, be confronted with the risen Christ. We remember the Apostle Paul uh, in his uh, former role as a Pharisee, Saul, as he sought out Christians to, to, to kill, as he tried to look for gatherings to close down. And then he was met uh, with the, the majestic presence of Jesus. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you may uh, break through into that country, that you may confront those who are persecuting you. And we ask, Lord, that you would grant repentance, that you would open the door to the gospel message. We pray that the light would shine into the darkness of that land and uh, it would not be overcome, but the light of Christ would overcome the darkness and bring light and liberty and joy and peace and grace. So we pray for that country and we ask, Lord, that you would bless them. And we pray now that as we turn back to your word that you would open our eyes that we would see Jesus that you would open our ears that we would hear the the word of God and that we would have hearts that are opened that we may receive all that you have for us in it and we pray this in Jesus name and for his sake <coughs> amen Genesis chapter 20 if you can turn back there please our girls discovered some old cameras I think it was last week they were in the study cupboard and they were rifling through old digital cameras. And so over the last few days, uh, there have been old photographs and videos that have emerged that haven't been seen for uh, many years. And some of the memories that are associated with these old pictures and videos uh, are, are, are warm and um, familiar and uh, happy memories but every time, every now and again, as you're flicking through an old album or as you're flicking through old videos, you, you come across a photo that takes you back to a memory that makes you cringe. You remember a day and a situation and uh, you remember the difficulty and the, the, the sort of cringeworthiness of the place uh, or the, the situation. And Genesis 20, I think, was one of these kind of memories for, for Abraham. Uh, as Abraham as he perhaps thought back through his life and his experience, his mind would go to many places. And as Abraham thought about Gerar, uh, his mind would inevitably have gone back to his own lack of faith and his own 
ill-advised plans, his own bad engineering. And, and the damage that that brought, both in his life and in his family's life and in the lives of those that he, he was connected with at that time. Uh, as Genesis 20 begins, and we see the whole familiar uh, situation of Abraham uh, telling uh, the, the, the ruler, the leader there, that uh, his wife was actually a sister, uh, we, we see that Abraham was a slow-to-learn believer. And so we're continuing really on where we left off from uh, Genesis 20 a couple of weeks ago. The first thing we see there in verses 1 and 2 is that Abraham was a slow-to-learn believer. He's made a mess like this in the past. Uh, as he went to Egypt, he he told uh, Pharaoh that uh, his wife was his sister and there was a whole lot of mess because of that. Uh, he, we thought, learned a lesson that deception is not the right uh, thing to, uh, to, to do. It's a sin to repent of. We, we, we thought he learned a lesson that God is sovereign and God can be trusted. And yet, just a little down the line, as we fast forward through Abraham's life, we, we see in a different location, some years down, the line, he's doing exactly the same thing. He's a slow-to-learn uh, believer. Uh, so as Genesis 20 begins, uh, that's the dark background. Abraham, uh, he has a bad day. And yet, there's encouragement in that because all of us have bad days sometimes. And God's word is honest. Uh, God's word uh, paints a picture of the disciples in the New Testament and the church fathers in the Old Testament as real people with real failures and real flaws and real sin. They were slow to learn believers. Warren Wearsby, uh, as, he, as he looks in on Wearsby, uh, or not Abraham, uh, Wearsby says, believers do sin. The Bible tells us the truth about all people, and that includes God's people. It does not hide the fact that Noah got drunk and exposed himself, Genesis 9, or that Moses lost his temper, Numbers 20. Or that David committed adultery and plotted the death of a valiant soldier to Samuel 11. Peter denied the Lord three times, Matthew 26. And Barnabas lapsed into the false doctrine, Galatians 2. These things are recorded, says Wearsby, not to encourage us to sin, but to warn us to beware of sin. After all, if these great men of faith disobeyed the Lord, then we ordinary saints had better be very careful. Therefore... As it says in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And that's the first point that we're kind of going back over, but it's important that we, we take it back on board. Abraham was a slow to learn believer. And yet we see as we look in this that God is the sovereign God. And if you glance down uh, through verses uh, 3 to 6, we can see that God is working out his purposes even on the bad days. Abraham has a bad day and yet God is not inactive. God is not disabled on these bad days when uh, his children uh, make a mess of things. God is still working. He's still active. And God is never the cause of evil. He's never the one who causes sin, but he's able to work sovereignly and God is able to use even what the devil would design for evil to bring good to his people and glory to his name. So there's the encouragement. There's a double encouragement uh, there uh, that uh, Abraham, like us, is a slow-to-learn believer. And yet God was and God is the sovereign 
always working, God. So as we continue on now uh, through this section, uh, what more do we see uh, of the character of God? Uh, He's the sovereign God, but the next thing that we see uh, as we pick back up at verse 6 is that he's the saving God. And picking up the story at verse 6, we can see that Abimelech is is not having a a good night's sleep. Uh, Because of Abraham's sin, Abimelech has ended up taking Abraham's wife. And uh, into that situation, into Abimelech's subconscious, dreamy state, the Lord speaks to him. And the Lord speaks in verse 6 to Abimelech, and he says, You're as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. So that's a, an alarming message to receive in the dead of night. That's the, the, the dark, bad news that first hits Abimelech. But immediately after that, there's this message of hope. The bad news is followed by good news. There are seven. Now return the, work that the man's wife, says the Lord, for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all yours will, will die. So that's the message that comes to Abimelech. And if Abimelech listens to this message, and if he believes it, and if he responds to it, he has God's word that he will live. You know, and that's the gospel when we think back uh, on it and we stand back uh, from this. That's the the way that God did work and that's the way that God continues to work. And we may look at Abimelech all that that, that time ago and all that, that way away. I think, what's this got to do with us? But there's a principle here that we can see uh, in our own lives. Abimelech uh, is in this this difficult situation. Uh, He finds himself actually in sin through Abraham's fall. And when we think about our condition, we are in sin. We are born into sin because of Adam's fall, Genesis 3. And God tells us very clearly in his word that to persevere in sin leads to death. It's Romans 6.23. But then in the gospel message, God tells us there is a way to live. You need to listen. You need to believe. You need to act on my word, says the Lord, and there will be life. We're born into death because of Adam's sin. But there is the the, the opportunity, uh, there is the word of life that comes to us through the gospel. And that's what Abimelech hears. He's he's in this dark, dangerous, difficult situation. He's he's just heard this, this word, you're as good as dead. But then he, he hears this further word, there's a way to live. Listen, believe, respond. And Abraham, not Abraham, but Abimelech, uh, he does listen and he does believe and he does respond. Verse 8. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. And when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, what have you done to us? Verse 9. You'll find it easier to, to follow the text than, than look at me. Abimelech then called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should not have been done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, There is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is really my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, save me. He is my brother. And it's a kind of awkward passage to read. Uh, we, have, we have this, this high opinion of Abraham. 
as a great man of God, and he was. But in this snapshot, uh, he's, he looks kind of pathetic. He's caught in this, this bad situation. He doesn't respond well to this. Uh, he uh, is confronted with his guilt by Amimelech, and, uh, and rather than just come and clean, he, he tries to deflect the blame. He tries to justify what, what he did. This is, this is a bad day for Abraham, and yet we all have them. So let's not point the finger, and let's not pick up rocks to, 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 to throw at him, because we all have these kind of days. We all find ourselves at, at times in, in these kind of situations. Uh, and we're given a, a very true picture of, of Abraham on a, on a bad day in, in, this, in this situation. Uh, but for Abimelech, it had been a bad night where he hadn't slept in any peaceful way, but it turns into a good day for him because he listens to the word of God and he believes the word of God and he acts upon the word of God and he's spared. He receives life. He was headed for death. You are as good as dead, says the Lord, because of what you're in. But if you listen to me, says God, you can have life. And he listens, he believes, he responds, and he is spared. He's given life. He's taken from death to life. And it's a picture from the Old Testament, again, of the gospel message. We are taken through the finished work of Jesus uh, from death into life. If we will listen, if we will believe, if we will respond to the message of the gospel. And so the lesson for us tonight is don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Respond to it. So if you're here tonight or you're at a distance watching in on this, and you might be six years old or seven years old or, or ten years old or, or ninety years old. We might be people who've, who've heard the word of God uh, for, for decades in, in churches and churches in devotional books and uh, as our families gathered for worship, we've heard the word of God. We've heard the message of our sin and our state. Uh, and yet the, we've heard the offer of the gospel, that there's life if we believe, if we respond. And perhaps there's somebody here tonight and you've never responded. Perhaps there's someone who's listening in and uh, you've never actually actioned this and come before the Lord and and said, I don't want to die in sin. I want to live. I want to be saved. Well, take the lesson tonight. Or take the encouragement, the instruction uh, tonight. There is the offer of life in the gospel. There's the offer of, of salvation. If we will believe. If Abimelech had just heard this. And not responded. If Abimelech had got up in the morning, rubbed his eyes and said, That was a horrible dream. Now I've got six items in my agenda. Uh, for, for my day. I, I better attend to these and then maybe I'll give this some thought later on. If that's how he'd responded, he would have been lost. But it's a matter of priority. He's up first thing in the morning. He summons his officials. He shares with them the word of God. He responds to the word of God and he's saved. So are you saved? Have you responded uh, to the word of God? It's not coming to us in dreams so much these days. You know, we, we have the word of God crystal clear in our hands. We have more than Abimelech ever had. And we hear it in Sunday school and we hear it in YF and we hear it at Jam and Connect and we hear it uh, in our homes perhaps. We hear it in this place through various preachers. We have the word of God. We can memorize passages like Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've heard that. We are hearing that. But have we believed? Have we received the eternal life that only Jesus can give? Are we saved? We have a a saving God. Abimelech could tell the story of this saving God that he encountered. And the same God that comes to us this evening. His desire is, is that none will perish. That none will go to death. But everyone will be brought to repentance. Everyone will be brought uh, to life. Uh, we are called to change direction. Uh, we are called to be saved. If we'll believe, if we'll respond, we are promised that salvation. Whether we're in primary school, whether we're going through the teenage years, whether we're battling the responsibilities of, of middle age, or whether we're reaching the end of our days, we're called to receive salvation by believing, by responding to the word of God. So we see that God is sovereign. We see that, that God is the, the saving God. And the next thing that we see in this passage is that God is a gracious God because the way that God responds to, to Abraham is, is to respond in grace. I mean, when we think about Abraham, he is not in a good light in this passage. He has doubted God. Uh, he has been deceptive. He has been disobedient. He has caused himself and his family to be put in a, a place of, of great danger and discomfort. Uh, he's brought that same into the, the experience of the king and the king's household. He's made an absolute mess of things. And so we might think uh, for, for Abraham, uh, how is the Lord going to respond to him? How is the Lord going to deal with him? Is there, is there going to be a scolding? Is there going to be a stern word that comes Abraham's way? Is the promise that, that Abraham uh, has been given, is it going to be nullified? Is it going to be reversed? What is Abraham going to receive? Is it going to be a slap in the knuckles? Is it going to be punishment? And yet what we actually uh, see is that Abraham, even in spite of all this, he receives blessing. God has promised to bless him. And even though he falls and he fails and he messes things up here, that promise of blessing continues to come to, to Abraham. Uh, he, he receives grace. He tastes the grace of God. And that grace is brought through uh, Abimelech. Verses 14 to, to 16, Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. And we would expect Abimelech to be saying, Get this man and get his family and get his stuff out of my land. I've lost a night's sleep. I've lost a whole lot because of this man. Get him out of here. That's what we'd expect. But because God is, is at work here, uh, the grace of God comes through Abimelech. He, he brings sheep, cattle, male and female slaves, gives them to Abraham, and he returns Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, my land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. And this is grace. I mean, we, we look in on this. And instinctively, we say, this is not fair. This doesn't seem to be right. Abraham is given land to live on. That, that is not his land. He hasn't bought it. He hasn't paid for it. He's not deserving of it. And Abraham is given sheep and cattle and people who will work for him. And he's given so much silver that it would have taken 
167 years for a laborer uh, to earn this. When checked out the, the, the amount of silver, uh, he's given uh, all this silver, a thousand shekels of silver. Uh, the, the sums are a laborer would have been paid half uh, a shekel of silver, silver uh, uh, per month. And if you do the, the sums, the amount that Abraham has given would have taken uh, one laborer 167 years to earn. And it's just given to Abraham. And what has he done to deserve this? Absolutely nothing. He's done a thousand things to disqualify himself from this, but he's done nothing to deserve it. Yet he receives it. See, Abraham is not treated in a way that's just. He's treated in a way that is is gracious. And we might be tempted as we look in from a distance uh, to shake our heads as as we look in on this. We might be tempted to look at Abraham and uh, and shake our heads and, uh, and, and... be disapproving in our spirits. But actually, when we, when we look in on this, what we're actually seeing is a mirror. Here we're seeing ourselves. We're seeing a picture of how God treats us. He is gracious to us. I mean, this is just one picture in the Old Testament of, of grace, one of many pictures in the Old Testament of grace. But if we were to go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, uh, we don't just see pictures of grace. Uh, we, we are given tokens of grace. Think about last Sunday. We picked up bread and wine, which enabled us to, to taste even something of the grace of God. And as we taste it, our minds are transported from the table to the cross, where we see the most amazing picture of grace, where we see that the Son of God has slain for us. It's not what we deserve. It's grace. It's God's riches. His forgiveness, his joy, his peace, his promises given to us freely at Christ's expense. The, the, the bread that speaks of the body, the wine that speaks of the blood, the payment. It's just given to us. It's grace. Oh, we, we sang it two Sundays ago. What kind of love is this that gave itself for me? I am the guilty one and yet I go free. What kind of love is this? That, what kind of man is this that, that died in agony? He who had done no wrong was crucified uh, for me. It's grace. So what are we to do as we think about this grace where we're to do what Abraham did? We're to receive it. It's a gift. And having received the grace of God, uh, we're to show that grace to others as we pray for them and as we ask that God uh, would bless them as he has blessed us. Look at verses 17 and 18. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abraham, his wife, and his slave girls, so that they could have children again. For the Lord had closed up every womb in Abimelech's household because of Abraham's wife Sarah. So Abraham, he, he receives grace, he receives blessing, and then he shares, he shows that grace. He's the means of blessing in this family that he's connected with at this time. And as we look in on this, uh, we have a pointer to Jesus. Abraham is showing us just a, a preview of Jesus and what he would do. One commentator, Ibsen, says, The grace of God turned curse into blessing. Abimelech had prayed for mercy, but for the curse to be removed and for him to know life, he needed to identify himself with the one in whom all families of the earth are blessed. Abraham's prophetic calling was to intercede for this ruler. Poor representative that he was, 
Abraham was used to bring salvation to Abimelech and his family. In this, he pointed forward to the great prophet to come. It is through Jesus Christ that the curse is removed and we receive life. Our sinless Savior has provided a covering for our open and secret sins and our sins of ignorance. And so in all of this, as we think about the the salvation of God, as we think about the, the grace of God, we are being pointed forward to Jesus. And the final thing uh, we see, and I'm not going to go into this tonight, is, uh, is we see the promise keeping God. We'll pick up on this the next time we, we open this. But in verses 1 to verse 7, uh, we, see, uh, we see what we've been looking for uh, through all these chapters, and that is that God keeps his promise. Go back to, to Genesis 12, and there's the promise to this elderly couple of a, a son. That would be a blessing to them. and would be a blessing to many in the nation and then to all nations. And time passed, 25 years passed. And this couple needed patience. They had to wait upon the Lord, but God kept his promise. And it seemed impossible as the biological clock uh, ticked past uh, what they considered to be overtime. It, it seemed so medically unlikely. Uh, so supernatural faith was required, but God kept his promise. And now, as we just glance at Sarah, uh, as she comes to this point, uh, her laugh has gone from the, the incredulous, doubtful snort of, of Genesis 18 to this gleeful, thankful, praiseful shriek because God had kept his promise. God is a promise-keeping God. And that promise was not just for her, it was for all the nation and it was for all nations. This is a promise that can be traced from Isaac to Jesus. This is a promise that can be traced uh, from Israel all the way to Scotland. So today, uh, we, we surely share uh, in that, that smile with Sarah as we think about her God and our God. He's the sovereign, saving, gracious, promise-keeping God. And he is worthy of our praise. So praise him, trust him, and tell others about the one in whom there is blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for this account of the life of Abraham with its twists and its turns. We thank you that nothing of the, the humanity and the sinfulness of Abraham is uh, deleted from the account. We thank you that we are given a, a clear uh, picture of the, the reality, the sinful, weak reality of the people whom you call to come to yourself. And yet, we thank you that as we see uh, the, the weaknesses of the people you call, uh, we see you, the strength and the majesty and the sovereign power and the grace and the glory uh, of your character and your work. We thank you that as we look in on Abraham, the slow to learn believer at times, uh, we do see ourselves. Uh, we see uh, our journey of faith as we seek to follow you. And yet we are given such hope and such joy as we uh, marvel at your grace uh, and uh, your glory. So accept our praise and our worship. Help us, we pray, to trust you. And help us, we pray, to be, to be bold and uh, to take the opportunities that you give us to tell others of the blessing 
uh, that was promised in Isaac and yet which we receive tonight in the one uh, who came from the line of Abraham and Isaac, Jesus, our Saviour and our Lord. And we pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen. And I may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.